Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. You can walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them. What are you doing down here, you shawnee man? You're very welcome to a special Sunday night edition of the Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast. Oh, my David here in the Irish Times with Murph. How are you, Kieran? Uh, hey there, everyone. Uh, the news don't sleep, so why should we? Exactly. We're recording this on a Sunday night because Ken Early's Las Vegas adventure is drawing to a close. And we want to grab uh, a word of the man himself before he hops on his flight. Oh, there's blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel A fortune won and lost on every deal All you need is strong heart and a nerve steel Thanks a lot, Pepe. Go ahead, Pepe. You go ask for Yes, sir. And the new world veteran of the championship, Yes, Ken, we'll be talking quite a lot about McGregor in our next show. Uh, I, I love that. It. I love that uh, that there. last line in that bed. Do you know where that comes from? Wh- which line is that now? Oh, the, oh, the last one. The, the guy, the lad, no, the new featherweight. Yeah. He's. It's like just some guy at the uh, you know the press conference they did in Dublin. And basically, it, that was yes, like his question. That. He basically went to the microphone and then just shouted out, <laughs> you know, as though he was the, uh, you know, announcer in the ring or whatever. A set of um, words. Everyone but was in, quite amused. Yeah, a set of words vaguely correct, but in entirely <laughs> the That wrong was probably the most intelligent thing said at that press yeah. conference, though. That was a high the point. Of the, yeah. the, the question that was a high cue by the, uh, by the standards. We're going to be talking a lot about McGregor but, uh, and, uh, and everything else that went on in our next show, Ken, but a little bit in this. Well, first of all, I did listen with great interest to one of the podcasts while I was away, your first one over in Vegas, and you seemed, um, I would say, rather underwhelmed by your experience of the, of Sin City. Did it win, win you over in the end? Oh, God. I <laughs> cannot wait to be here. I cannot wait to get out of here, and I will never, ever come back unless I have to. I re- honestly, I just I can't. I cannot get out of here fast enough. Like downstairs right now, I mean, there's still people down there drinking. It's twenty past twelve, like on on Sunday afternoon, and the, the, like. I mean, okay, I haven't actually been downstairs for about an hour, but the last time I was, the last time I was down there, twenty past eleven, Sunday morning, bar still full of Irish fans drinking their heads off in celebration of the. Uh, of the I mean, I'm just kind of thinking, guys. Okay, most of them, most people have gone to bed, or most people, let's say, tapped out a little earlier 
but just the mere fact that it's that's still going on. And this is a place that facilitates that and, in fact, encourages that type of behavior as long as you're spending your money. It's kind of a grim thing to uh, to actually see in reality. I'm sure it sounds great, yeah. but it really isn't great. It re- maybe it even feels great uh, to people in whatever mental state they're in at the time, but it sure doesn't look too good from the outside. I was interested in your observation last week that maybe uh, if you're visiting Las Vegas, as those fellas are, in a group for a specific reason and partying your asses off, uh, it could be quite a lot of fun. Or you certainly could have a certain type of, uh, type of view, type of experience of the place. But when you're on your own, it's a little bit different. And I was there on my own only a few weeks back. And I, only, I actually only spent a couple of hours in Vegas. And I was also kind of laden down with equipment and, and stuff at the time. So I was a bit conscious of that. So I didn't actually see a huge amount. Although one of the hotels you were in that I did end up sort of losing my way into, if you know what I mean, was that Excalibur mm. one? Is that, is that oh, what it's yeah, you, you, were, you were attracted by the Disneyland. Uh, I think I must have been. Su- subconsciously, I think I was actually looking for a taxi, but I suddenly ended up <laughs> looking at, lo- eyeing up those roulette machines uh, that you tell me are basically the exact same in all the, all the different. Uh, Every time. single casino. Yeah, see, I bet you had to keep walking. Or you might have got you might have got stuck in a conveyor belt down because the conveyor belts only go in. There's conveyor belts everywhere because a lot a lot of the people, to be to be honest, um, find it difficult to, to get around, especially in this sort of heat. And um, they, there's conveyor belts, but they all lead in. If you want to walk out, you have to walk out under your own steam. Um, and isn't that uh, wasn't, th- wasn't that like sorry? a Simpsons plot line at one stage? They're all going to get conveyor belts onto the street. And now you're telling me this is actually happening in, in Vegas. Yeah, well, conveyor belts leading into Excalibur, because Excalibur doesn't have the best location. Um, you know, it's not, it's not like just, it's sort of a little bit further south than you really want to be on the Unless strip. I mean, there's a couple, a there's a couple beyond there, like Luxor and Mandalay Bay, which are, you know, big, big uh, casinos as well. But, you know, the, the distances stretch out a bit. You want a conveyor belt, frankly. And, and they go in. But what you will have noticed, though, and as well, walking around, especially you would have noticed it because you're carrying all those bags full of equipment, is that there's literally nowhere uh, to sit down. <laughs> there is no public space. They have stripped away all of the useless public space uh, in order to maximize the commercial surface area. Um, if you want to sit down, you pretty much have to buy something or, or gamble. Uh, um, but uh, otherwise, you can uh, you can walk around and carry your stuff. They've got us linked. I understand there was a, a football link. There was a bit of a football megastar Conor McGregor's event. Neymar, Owen. Uh, Neymar was at the fight, and uh, he was a couple of rows back from the uh, from the Octagon girls, uh, as they sit at ringside. I don't know if he was picked out on TV because I don't know if the American TV producers know who the hell Neymar no, is. No, I didn't see him. There was a lot of Arnie. Uh, for example, I didn't actually see Neymar, but I didn't see all the coverage right from the very start, so maybe he was picked up at some point. Maybe he was. Um, Arnie certainly was. Um, obviously, Mike Tyson got a huge roar of appreciation from the Ireland fans. So they still like Mike. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, quite quite a, an, an, actually an amazing occasion. Though. I mean, yeah. I know this isn't the podcast to talk about it. Uh, this, you know, we'll probably be talking about it a bit more in depth on the other show, but it was really incredible. I mean, I felt like I was back in ancient Rome. You know, I was watching these men uh, smash each other's faces to pieces, blood pouring from people's heads like taps. I mean, it's you know, maybe you think that sounds gross. A lot of people think it sounds gross. It is gross. But uh, you can't at the same time deny that there isn't a certain something about it, which, uh, you know, the blood is flowing in more ways than one. All right, you set up our conversation for the next podcast on this one we're talking midsummer Premier League transfers including Raheem Sterling to Man City he's finally and his age whoever's got this deal over the line has finally put us all out of our misery on this one 
Yeah, so Raheem Sterling, um, uh, essentially, his score third policy was subtotal that I think Liverpool, what they wanted to do with Sterling was to uh, was to keep him for another year in order to in order to, as a kind of a message to players that they can't be intimidated in this way. Uh, you know that if when a bigger club comes along uh, and tries to buy one of their best players, they're not necessarily going to just cave in. I mean, as they did with Suarez when Arsenal tried to sign him, and it worked out for them in that instance. Um, but Sterling has just uh, <laughs> has proved that, in fact, if the player is really prepared to to go the extra mile, there's not really much they can do. And also, if there's a discernment buyer in the case of Manchester City, they've come along with 49 million pounds, and uh, Liverpool have obviously decided that, given it seems. Um, there's no real hope of Sterling playing for them, that he's just not prepared to do what Suarez did. I mean, Suarez came back and uh, and played. I mean, he didn't look happy about it. I remember him on the on the preseason tour that season, so it was September or, or summer 2013, looking intensely miserable and self-pitying about his situation and sort of sloping around with this bad attitude. But at the same time, he was there. And once he started playing, which wasn't for a few weeks because he was still uh, banned at the time, he, he was playing brilliantly and nobody could question his women. Now, with Sterling, it just doesn't seem as though that would have happened. Mm. So eventually, you get you reach a point where City have increased the bid to the, to the point where Liverpool say, OK, we'll spend them. Now, of course, the problem Liverpool have is that they've spent money on players before and it's, it's effectively they're, all they're doing is making the money disappear. They're just disappearing millions of, of pounds. I mean, you know, none of the players they've signed have really uh, been hits. I mean, I suppose by the law of averages, eventually you're going to get a bit luckier. But they've been very inefficient, let's say, at turning money into talent. Sterling was one of the most talented players in their team, the most talented player to, to come out of the club, even though, you know, he, he, it's not like he's really a, you know, a Jamie Carragher type home produced player. Uh, he did join the club when he was about 15, but he's the most talented player, you know, to come through their youth setup um, since Steven Gerrard. I mean, that's a that's a bit of a bit of a sickener, I think, for Liverpool, and that kind of shows them where they are in the world now. And now the challenge they have is they've got this £49 million. Well, they don't have £49 million, actually, I mean, because it's not it's going to rise to £49 million eventually, assuming Raheem Sterling wins a lot of stuff at Manchester City. They've also got to pay 20% of their profit on this deal to Queen's Park Rangers, who they signed Sterling from, because that was the close they agreed to at the time. So they're going to get less than that, uh, and now they face the, 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 the task of trying to persuade a player as good as Sterling to join them, but where are they going to find a guy like that? So it's, um, yeah, it's a sobering enough day for, for Liverpool, I think, and a good signing for Manchester City. Oh, is uh, Schweinsteiger a good signing for Manchester United? I know it's something you touched on late last week. The, as we record, this one is going through. Uh, it's all pretty much done. Uh, Yogi Love talking about him being a leader and a world-class player. Everybody talks about that. They talk about his leadership, but uh, there are obviously questions about a guy of his age profile and a uh, guy who has suffered injuries being signed for his £15 million was the figure being reported late last week for a person who probably have very little, if any, sell-on value in a couple of years. Sell-on value doesn't matter no. at all. It's, it's better uh, I mean, just to get three good years out just, of the player. As you yeah. just proved there by talking about Raheem Sterling, it's much better to just have the player. Yeah. You know, I mean, Bastian Schweinsteiger is a, is a superb footballer. Um, he knows exactly what he's all about. Now, Schweinsteiger is going to be... Um, 31 years old when he plays his first game for Manchester United. So he is a, uh, you know, this is one of the oldest big players they've signed in a very long time. But his his job is literally to stabilise that midfield immediately. His job is to come in 
and play well for two seasons. I, I, I don't know if they're even thinking of three seasons. They might, they might get that many out of him. I mean, Schweinsteiger has had a couple of injuries, but he also, I think, got a pretty good level of underlying um, fitness. You know, I think he's in... I, I think he's generally been, he, he's a good athlete who has generally been in good condition mm. throughout his career, has got quite a lot of miles on the clock now, has got a huge amount of experience. I mean, he's won, what, 23 major trophies. Uh, it's a phenomenal record. Pretty much every every trophy in football except for the uh, European Championships, which maybe uh, he'll be able to add uh, next summer. So uh, he's a huge, he's a player of, of huge quality, huge experience, who I think w- will certainly immediately improve Manchester United's midfield. Of that, I don't think there's any question. Whether he'll still, you know, be improving their midfield in two seasons remains to be seen. It depends on whether he continues to suffer injuries or whether he puts that behind him. Because I think, you know, barring further, you know, knee injuries, which is which is the problem in particular that he's had, um, there's no reason why he couldn't be, why he couldn't maybe do four seasons. You know, I could I could see that happening because the kind of game that he plays, um, the kind of game that he has been playing largely since uh, Louis van Gaal was the manager of Bayern Munich. So we're talking about since 2008, like mid-career for Schweinsteiger. He would have been 24 at that time. Uh, and up till then, he'd always been an attacking player, uh, often a wide player, uh, a guy who got ahead of the ball, kind of a Lee Boyery type player, if you can imagine. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know why I'm comparing Bastian Schweinsteiger to Lee Boyer. Like, who even remembers Lee I was going to say, we just haven't heard the name Lee Boyer in quite a while, so there's no harm. You know, like, you there. know, uh, the, the great old... Uh, Blackpool right half, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> That's the territory I was, I was trying to get there. But you know, he he was a guy who got ahead of the ball. And uh, Van Hal said to him, "Listen, let's not bother with this anymore. I don't I don't really see you as that type of player. I mean, you're not. To be honest, you can't really dribble. You know, your efforts to dribble amuse me, but don't don't impress me. So what I'm going to do is put you instead in central midfield. I want you to kind of stay behind the ball and try and shape the game uh, from a central position." And we'll see how that works out. And it turned out Schweinsteiger was brilliant at this. And he's been doing that ever since um, for Bayern and for Germany. Now, Guardiola, maybe Guardiola, maybe look for Guardiola. Maybe Schweinsteiger doesn't quite have the sort of fast feet that Guardiola is looking for in a team that wants to play so many passes in midfield. Um, Schweinsteiger is a guy who's a, he's a good passer, but I wouldn't say he's like a Xavi or Iniesta type, can take any ball from any angle and play a one-touch pass, or Busquets is able to do the same thing. Uh, and maybe for that reason, Guardiola and himself don't necessarily have the... Uh, I mean, as far as I can remember, all the things he's ever said about Guardiola have been very positive, mm. but he would he would say that because he's now a real company man. <laughs> um, I think if Guardiola really wanted to see him in there, Guardiola's in that sort of position. He's, he moved Lam into that position. He brought in Thiago uh, to also play in central midfield. He's got other players he can play there. Um, maybe he's looking at it. Maybe I think that if if he really felt the trust of Guardiola, he would he would still be playing at Bayern Munich. He would finish there as a one club man. I don't think he feels that, but he does feel it from Van Hal uh, and the opportunity to earn a lot of money, play for a big club like Manchester United. You know, you can see how how it works well for everyone. The the only people I'm a bit surprised by the people I I don't think this deal is is working out that well for is are Bayern Munich. I think they're losing an important player for. Really, no good reason. Well, Gabriele Mercati, Ken predicts four good seasons for Bastian Schweinsteiger at Man United. What do you think? I mean, it's it's, it's always tough to predict, and, and and your biggest concern, I think, with Schweinsteiger is always going to be um, it, will inevitably be the injuries because you know he was he was limited uh, last year. Uh, you need to come to the conclusion whether he didn't seem to have Pep Guardiola's trust. Um, because he's he's not the player he was. Um, 
I think he can still contribute, and I think most of all, what he's going to contribute to United uh, is his leadership, uh, his experience. I wonder if maybe we haven't slightly, um, you know, uh, underestimated the impact of uh, of so many uh, veterans leaving in one go, as has happened uh, over the past two years. Yeah, I mean, the question there of Guardiola's trust is an is an interesting one. Um, you know, Guardiola obviously. You know, has, has a lot of players in that sort of position. Um, they, as far as I know, they've never had any a, any public disagreement or any uh, any sort of public uh, you know rifts between them. I, don't, I think they're kind of Schweinsteiger is quite professional in his approach. He, he doesn't maybe do that kind of thing. But do you get the sense that uh, really Guardiola didn't fancy him? Or was it was it a technical thing, or was it maybe a Maybe also to an extent a political thing. You know, Schweinsteiger maybe the most important, or along with Lamb, the most important German player in that dressing room. And maybe Guardiola wants to tilt the, tilt the balance a bit more towards the Spanish side of things. No, I, I don't think it's that because I mean, when you look about it, uh, look at it. You know, the the guy who Guardiola's uh, um, idea of football was built around in midfield was was Philip Lam, who he moved back into that central midfield spot, um, and. As uh, somebody at Bayern told me just yesterday, he said, look, you know, both Pep and Basti had one year left at the club in, in terms of contract. Uh, you know, it's not as if we were picking one over the other. Um, I, I think it was just more of a sense of, of, of his style of play, um, maybe not really fitting what they wanted. I mean, that's why they went and, and they got they got Thiago Alcantara. Um, and actually, I, to me, what's kind of curious uh, as well is... Um, is how Fat House going to use him? Because, you know, there's been talk, well, he's going to play the Carrick role in front of the back four. Um, I don't know if that's the case, because it's not really something he did uh, with, uh, with, with great success uh, at Bayern or, or indeed with the German national team. He was generally more proficient when, when he played in a, in a two in front of the back four, um, which is fine. Obviously, United can play Herrera there, or maybe they'll go and sign Schneiderlin or whatnot. But uh, it, it is interesting. I, I, I think um, uh, Fanhel obviously knows what he's get uh, what he's getting. Um, I, I I'm I'm really excited to see how this works out. I think at that at that number as well. I, I don't think that he's uh, you know. I think this is one situation where I think United uh, generally got it right, uh, and I don't think Schweinsteiger needs to go and uh, and, and 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 be sort of an obvious superstar. Uh, to really make a positive impact. Van Hal, uh, clearly the, the two of them must have had a strong working relationship in the past. You would assume that anyway, if they're uh, going to team up with each other again. And that didn't actually end up helping out Robin Van Persie when it came to the crunch. Uh, I don't know if having favour with somebody, even in the very recent passes when Van Persie would have had with Van Hal, necessarily cuts any ice once he gets there. How do you think that, uh, we're talking about different personalities here, I guess, in Schweinsteiger and Van, per- Van Persie. How do you see that working relationship working out? Yeah, I, I think we in the media um, are, are guilty here of creating these great relationships, these sort of father-son, uh, you know, lineages when they really aren't them, especially not there, I think, with most guys and Fan Hal, because Fan Hal, uh, while he's hugely respected and, and, and so on, he's not exactly warm and cuddly, and he does tend to move on. Fan Hal had the brilliant intuition at uh, Bayern Munich to go and to realize that uh, Schweinsteiger, while he was clearly struggling on the wing, because he, you know, he lost a lot of his pace, he could really make a contribution as a central midfielder. And so he moved him into central midfield, and Schweinsteiger and uh, and Bayern had a brilliant season. 
And then the second season, it all kind of fell apart for, for Fun Hal, and he was ultimately sacked. Um, I mean, I think that's the reality of it. Those are, those, those are the facts. Uh, so you know, this idea that uh, he's, he's somehow his prodigal son, no. I think, you know, Fun Hal sees value in him, sees value in him as a, as a central midfielder, which is where he saw him before. And, um, and, and, and he's going to go and, uh, and, and try to make it work. But I don't think Van Howe's any more invested in, in, in Schweinsteiger emotionally uh, than he would be, I think, in any other United player. Um, what do you make of the signings that Manchester United have made so far, okay? because they, they have um, the, the, the whole approach seems quite different from the previous summer. They're throwing around crazy amounts of money and buying players, maybe at random. This seems to be a little bit more organized, a little bit more methodical. And uh, and so far, the three signings they made, Memphis Depay, Schweinsteiger and, and Darmian, all, all seem to be guys who probably improved the team in significant ways. Yeah, amazing. You'd almost get the impression that, uh, you know, a couple of Glazers took Mr. Woodward behind the woodshed and uh, and, and had a quiet word about what they were going to do with uh, with the family money. I um, Look, I, I, I think so far um, they've nailed it. They moved early into pie, which is very good. You know, I, I, with Darmian, much as I like him and I'm predisposed to liking him, um, I think the price and the age profile are correct. If, if he doesn't work out, you're not going to make an enormous loss on the guy. And I think I think he can contribute as long as United fans don't, you know, don't expect you know Cafu because he isn't, but he's a guy who can be a very good right back. Um, and now Schweinsteiger goes in and addresses a, a very specific need. Um, I, I think they've done very well in that regard. If that that seven million pound figure that was thrown around from Fenerbahce for Van Persie is is accurate, then they're also selling uh, extremely well. Um, and uh, and and so far, I think you know you have to you have to take your hat off to them. I'll be curious to see. I mean, I, I look at this, and uh, I'll be really interested to see what they do with you know with another position. I think they need to fill, which is they they they'll need another striker. Uh, I would assume, uh, given that now they're down to to Rooney and, and Wilson. And I, if I were a United fan, I would hope that they go and they get a young guy or a guy who's happy to come off the bench. And they really invest in Rooney rather than going out and getting another, you know, Falcao type figure who's or Van Persie type, you know, who's who's on starter money with a starter reputation and starter expectations. Um, but like I said, so far I think they've uh, they've they've done they've done very well. It sounds like you think they're doing well to get any money for Van Persie, do you? Well, the guy has a year left. He has a history of injuries, and he makes an absurd amount of money. Um, to be able to shift a guy like that and get and get seven million pounds back is is tremendous. I mean, you know, again, I don't want to bore people with boring things like amortization, but you're actually, you know, uh, when you look at amortization, you're actually making a profit uh, on Van Persie and getting that that huge salary uh, off your books, and then you can go and you can give that money to, to Schweinsteiger. And, uh, and and it makes sense. Um, obviously, they've also moved on other players like Nani and whatnot. So I, I think in that sense they're doing well. Uh, you know, let's see how they uh, how they handle the other targets. But um, you know, as we speak here and now in, uh, in, in on July thirteenth or twelfth or whatever it is, uh, I think so far you have to give United high marks. All right, Gabriel, great stuff. Thanks a million. My pleasure.
You described him earlier on, Ken Schweinsteiger, as a good company man at Bayern Munich, and he's maintained that to the bitter end, or the, the uh, far from bitter end, if all his messages that he's been posting, his statement, his Twitter video, or anything to go by. It's all about, oh, I love you, supporters. We have a special bond. Please uh, allow me to enjoy this last phase of my career with a new challenge at a new club. He even put out a weird, uh, well, Beats by Dre put out a slightly odd video, uh, a slightly odd ad, which appeared to be imploring supporters to support Bastian Schweinsteiger uh, rather than turning against him in his new venture. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's like... Um well, I mean, obviously, Schweinsteiger is saying to the Bayern fans, you know, it's not you, it's me. Um, he, he wants he wants to uh, be able to go back in a couple of years and, you know, get loads of money as a media pundit and not be like this reviled figure in Bavaria, you know, the, the Judas who sold the men and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think there's any chance that he will be. But, you know, just in case, um, Beats by Dr. Dre have this video out where they're kind of lecturing the supporters on how... Um, you know, he's he's done everything for them. You know, he finished the unfinished. They've got, like, Bayern. I think it's Roman they got talking, uh, talking about how, oh, you know, he's been such a great player for us. He, he must be in some radio or TV interview. They've just taken the audio off, and he's talking, praising him, talking about how great he is. The weird thing I find about that is that why does all of this um, emotional, emoting and communing with the fans have to be mediated through a commercial video? Why why am I, why is Bastian Schweinsteiger putting up photos on his Twitter of him looking out the window of a plane, but like he's very carefully got the beats by Dr. Dre uh, headphones there and, and right at the centre of the picture is I'm, I'm looking at that logo. Why is he shilling even in this moment? of Is this what we have become? Oh, this is seriously what we've become. This is Schweinsteiger. I thought he was supposed to be a man of substance. I saw Vaseline Schweinsteiger lying on the sideline in the World Cup final. I saw his, his legs and feet jerking, uh, jerking uh, with the sort of look, it what looked like spinal pain. Uh, because, you know, he was being smashed to pieces uh, by the Argentinians, but getting up, ignoring the pain, playing on. I mean, I think he, he then, he didn't have to sit out the next couple of months for Bayern Munich because he was so injured at that stage. You know, I thought, here's here's a real man of substance. This is a, you know, a modern footballer, you know, who knows what the old school's about. And then here he is, like, you know, saying, oh, I'm sorry, fans, but actually all his sorry messages to the fans are, are ads? Oh, Christ alive. Murph, good signing, bad signing, four years. Uh, yeah, years. well, I think Manchester United fans are pretty happy with the idea that a 31-year-old can uh, be a very effective midfielder when, with Michael Carrick, Manchester United looked like a team capable of challenging for the title and without Michael Carrick, they looked relegation fodder last year. So Carrick turns 34, I think, at the end of this month. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, I think United fans are acutely aware of what a mid-30s midfielder can offer them. So four years... Two would be two would be just fine, I think, from a United point of view. Ken, we'll let you go. We'll wrap this up. You have to, uh, with great pleasure, get out of Las Vegas now at some point and and fly first thing in the morning. Uh, we do have that. Uh, we will have many reflections from you on Conor McGregor's performance on his victory on Saturday night in our later podcast. But in the meantime, thanks, Ken. Thank you too, and thank you, Kieran. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Owen. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you soon. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.